0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode twenty-six of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host Ryan Reader, and with me, as always, is my many-eyed friend Ben Bumhopper.
1: Is that a glasses joke?
0: It's it's kind of like glasses plus <laughs> beholder <laughs> intro, since we're talking about beholders tonight.
1: Uh, well, what can I say? You've got me beaming with uh, delight.
0: Ah. Uh, well, we're uh we're back. It's, yes, it's, we are. We took a took a, a little a small little break. Uh, apologies to to everyone for not getting episodes. I had a had a small child, which is you do not have busy. to
1: apologize for that. <laughs> it's you know kind of a thing that happens now and then.
0: It's true. It does it does happen now and then. It's it's going well. Um, still. Still not getting quite as much sleep as, as we'd like, but it's, it's gotten better and uh, I'm feeling good enough to record an episode because we've actually got a, a lot to talk about today. Yeah. We've got a lot of, uh, lot of topics uh, on the agenda. We're going to be talking the holders from our mm-hmm. DM standpoint. We're going to be talking about the half-orc race on the PC side of things. We're going to be uh, uh, talking a little bit about some new unearthed arcana. That just came out, which is which is pretty cool, uh, and then of course we have our own stories of uh, stuff that we've been doing, and from the sound of things, it sounds like Ben has got some <laughs> doozies.
1: Um, you know, maybe one, possibly so, two doozies. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll multiple doozies,
0: potentially. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to that. But we will get to that here shortly. Until then. Let's jump into our first topic and talk about Beholders. Now, Beholders are really interesting because they are kind of the quintessential D&D monster. They're on all sorts of promotional materials. Uh, If you don't know what we're talking about or you've never seen one before, they're basically this giant circular creature Sometimes it's got some like spiky things on it. Huge mouth full of sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. One big old eye in the middle. And then these little tentacle stalks that each have an extra eye at the end of it. Exactly. And so that's kind of where the name Beholder comes from. Because it's just got, it can be looking in all directions at the same time. These are super cool monsters because for one, um, they're like low teens uh, challenge rating which is which is really fun so uh they can be a very powerful enemy for uh lower level adventuring parties or are still a challenge even you know for adventurers halfway through their 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 journeys um they're extremely intelligent they're very very smart so uh the cool thing about that is you might not find them just out in the world somewhere. They're not necessarily just this, I found a beholder cave and it's, (laughs) and there's the big bad beholder in the cave. No, they may be, uh, running black markets. They may be in charge of some sort of thieves guild. They, (laughs) you know, they may even be ruling over a province of some Mm -hmm. sort, uh, and so they're they're very they're very smart they're they're very tactical, um, and they've got a, a lot of really cool cool abilities.
1: Exactly, and the the neat thing about them is is that while they are like super intelligent and everything like that, they're also incredibly paranoid. Um, they look at at themselves as like you know the epitome of perfection. You know, each beholder thinks it's the best beholder. Much less the best thing in the entire world, and because of that, they always think that that you know lesser beings to them are actually like plotting against them, that they want to overthrow them. So while they have these you know potentials of being like you know the leaders of guilds and 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 provinces and everything like that, at the same time they do not trust a darn creature anything around them, even if they are you know um, living alone in like some you know. Um, ruins somewhere you know if their their layer is is kind of more traditional broken down stuff if there's nothing around they still think things are plotting against them they're like terrified in that but it's only because of their own self-importance
0: oh yeah totally and from a dm point of view just to get into kind of the mindset to play one of these guys beholders have backup plans
1: for their backup plans Mm -hmm, exactly Exactly. And the thing is too is that RPing as one, like if you end up making one for as like the big bad evil guy or something for, you know, uh some lower level adventurers and everything, I mean, just look at them and take the idea of they have eyes everywhere, like not only as like kind of a punny haha fun thing, but really think about it because of that paranoia, they could have, you know, uh people spying on your heroes they could have informants everywhere like they're looking at the world in this overall scope of it's mine i'm the best there is nothing can stop that nothing can stop me so you can have a lot of fun with that oh totally so
0: from a we we talk a little bit about a role play standpoint. So now let's let's talk a little bit about combat standpoint. So from a D and D combat encounter perspective, beholders are actually probably one of the funnest <laughs> monsters to play, just because they can do so much stuff. So they're they're challenge rating thirteen. They've got a decent amount of hit points. They've got a decent natural armor. They've got legendary actions they can take, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the But the biggest thing, they have two, two main things. They have their anti-magic cone, which is uh, a fairly unique property where their central eye creates an area of anti-magic, like the anti-magic field spell, which basically means that magical energy just doesn't work yeah inside of it and at the start of the turn the beholder can decide which way the cone is facing by you know moving towards that uh and whether the cone is active or not it's a 150 foot cone
1: so but basically the the entire
0: area most likely most likely whichever way it's looking but the interesting downside is it actually works against their second thing which is their own beams, so beholders eye stocks can shoot one of ten different beams, which is super, super cool. The beams themselves, though however, are negated by the anti magic cone, so you have to keep that in mind when you 're planning your attacks and planning your cone and or trying to you know target target the magic users or something like that to, to block them off. But it's, it's super awesome because, uh, rules is written. You shoot three magical eye rays at random. So you basically roll a D 10 and then re-roll any duplicates you get. And the three numbers you roll in your D 10 are the, the eye rays. And then you get to decide where he's, he's uh, the bowler shooting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, I mean, there's, there's tons. There's, there's charm. There's paralysis. There's fear. There's slow. There's, you know, a telekinetic one, a sleep one, a petrification one, a disintegrate. Like there's, there's basically all the types of things you can think of. There's a ray for that. Yeah. Um, so we, that's super super fun.
1: One of the things too to keep in mind is that. There are technically three rays in there that could insta death someone. So just just keep that in mind if you are you know planning uh, to do a beholder. If <laughs> if you get, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but if you get really lucky on your lucky. yeah your random rolls for, to see which which rays are happening, like you could just be firing firing off a death ray every single round that you're going and maybe, uh, you know, maybe fudge that a little bit unless you want everybody to die super fast <laughs> or if they have a bunch of HP, then, you know, yeah, who cares? Everything's fine. Well, and that's,
0: that's one of the things uh, I was going to talk about too, because beholders are are great for offering variable difficulty. And mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about this before and um, making sure that you can, uh, adjust the combat encounter during the combat encounter. If you need to, if it ends up being way stronger than you were intending it to be, or way weaker than you were intending it to be. Beholders are great for this because uh, of the whole IRA thing. You can roll randomly, like, like it says, or uh, if you want to make it easier or harder, you could pick the three rays that you used and make it more strategic. You could pick rays that maybe do some lesser stuff if the encounter has proven to be much harder than you were expecting, or you can maybe pick some of the other rays and deal a little more consistent damage if the encounter has been going um, much poorer for you than you were you were planning on it being. So that's that's a possibility as well. And then of course you have your legendary actions where you can take uh, up to three of them and. The, the legendary action is basically just the beholder uses one random eye ray and you've got three of those to use in the round. So that's something else you can choose to or not to use uh, to increase or decrease that difficulty.
1: Yeah. On top of that too, if you're coming up against a, a bunch of adventurers and they're you know just really getting their butts hand into them and everything, um, if one gets close and attacks, you could always damage one of the eye stocks and take one of the eyes out of commission so you can you know kind of play around with the variables in that sense as well um it just as written every single ira has a dc of 16 whether it's uh you know dexterity wisdom whatever for the saving throw so again you know hitting the the beholder could lower some of those dcs if you need to um it could you know if you want to make it harder start off with them higher too i mean Depending on how you want to play the beholder, you do have a lot of options. Like Ryan was saying, you know, it is incredibly variable. And the fact that, uh, based on lore, no beholder is identical to the next beholder, the next one, the next one. Um, you can give it, you know, like if you wanted to be really mean, like a higher AC, like it has like a carapace to it that you know they can like crack into or something, um, or make it super squishy if you want. Uh, the fact that there are ways to really manipulate the entire playing field on this really helps out to make it a, a very versatile kind of uh, creature to kind of play around with. Uh, now I will say having run a beholder in a one shot, it being my very first time running one, I was not prepared for how frustrating as well as fun it can actually be because I, I'm pretty sure I told the story before um, we were with a, it was a level 10 group and they had a paladin who had these awesome auras around them and everybody stayed in the aura. So everybody was just making every single save that they could, (laughs) except for a buddy of ours who he knows who he is. And uh, I felt bad picking on him sometimes, but at the same time, you know, when I'm just kind of uh, rolling and, and uh, determining what beams are shooting where and everything. And meanwhile, everyone's trying to stay in that anti-magic cone and one person's not guess where those beams are going? But, yep. yeah. The, the fact that that anti-magic cone is there adds so much more uh, strategy to what you can do as well. I mean, if you really think about it, an anti-magic cone, look at everybody, guess what? Their magic items aren't working. They yep. can't cast spells. It,
0: it does say that magic items become mundane while in a ma- uh, an anti-magic field.
1: Yeah, there's, so, there's a lot more that you can play with that you know if if, um, you're I don't know someone wants to cast a cure off or whatever but their target is inside that cone guess what that cure doesn't hit them
0: yeah or on the opposite side of things if you are getting frustrated because the party is less magically built and they're staying within your anti-magic cone to keep the the rays from doing anything remember the beholder can turn that off Mm -hmm. as well so you have that tool if you need to and say this is a cool thing but it's just not working out for him. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> working out for him. <laughs> like it's just this is just rough for this this poor beholder. So turn it off and all of a sudden <laughs> pew pew.
1: Exactly. And also definitely remember that that anti-magic cone is on um, because otherwise you could Again, make a big mistake like I did. Forget that that's there, and then someone does a really cool, awesome attack. They roll damage and everything. You're like, "Oh wait, no, that wouldn't have happened because of this." And then everybody's just sad.
0: Yep, that's true. Uh, one other really cool thing about beholders that uh, not every monster has is layer actions. So oh this gosh. is a this <laughs> is a layer creature, which with mostly how beholders are typically, unless your players are able to do something out of the ordinary, a beholder would usually never let itself be caught or attacked outside of its lair, mm-hmm. because it just gives them, extra advantages. So for those uh, um, uh, who are new to, to DMing or don't know what layers are, layers are things that are attached to specific creatures that basically go on initiative count 20. And there's several effects that you can pick from that will affect usually the area within the, the combat zone. So for example, from a beholder's standpoint, you have Several layer actions. One of them is a 50 foot square area of the ground within 120 feet of the beholder can become slimy and becomes difficult terrain until the next round. Or walls within 120 feet sprout grasping appendages uh, and you can try and grapple people with them. Or an eye opens on a solid surface within 60 feet of the beholder and a random eye ray of the beholder shoots uh, from that eye to a target the beholder can see the eye then closes and disappears that's actually kind of like a horror effect
1: <laughs> it is pretty nasty <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> I, I, it just makes me think uh, uh, takes me to like full metal alchemist when they're <laughs> when they're kind of you know in the in the in between and you just see the, yeah,
1: the huge, big giant eye. <laughs> huge
0: giant eye it's just like oh gosh ah uh beholder can't repeat an effect until they have all been used and they can't use the same effect two rounds in a row so you you can't just do that every time but it allows you to cycle and it gives you another cool tool to use during the fight
1: exactly and I, i can tell you just from playing around with beholder in its layer those layer actions add a lot of diversity as well you know if uh the, the players are, are kind of running around a whole lot and everything, that slime floor really helps. Um, if you've got someone who, you know, hey, you, you need to grab them so that those beams can hit them and they don't have those dex throws, uh, those appendages reaching out and grabbing them can, can actually work out really well. Again, our buddy was grappled and then hit with the sleep ray, so <laughs> not fun for him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's rough. It's, it's a lot of fun and uh, having all these different rays and everything really kind of lets you experience a lot of the different like debuffs and stuff that can happen to players. You can see how different things work, how things interact because of that. And, you know, like one of the most maddening things about a beholder isn't uh, Oh, the disintegration Ray got me. I mean, yeah, that that's not a happy thing. It's it, it really sucks, but like being charmed for a round or being feared for a minute and, and, you know, different things like that really kind of um, can instantly change the battlefield just based on whatever you rolled or, you know, if you do fudge your rolls and kind of, you know, uh, strategically choose the different beams to use and stuff. So there's a lot going on with these. It's it, I would say that for so far, all the monsters that we've done, this is probably one of the easiest to run, can be really hard to master just because you have a lot of different choices and, and things that you can do throughout the entire fight.
0: So, uh, you said you've actually run one before. Yep. Um, you, you ran it, but you ran it more as a, like just a big bad rather than, um, as a more of a character.
1: Kind of. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was just a one shot. They were going to go trying and, uh, um, retrieve a uh, a crown which just happened to be on one of the you know on one of the eye stocks so yeah it, it was basically monster to beat to get the thing to you know successfully finish the one shot
0: yeah yeah that sounds like a, a pretty standard one shot type thing so that's that's fun and you get to give your players a really fun uh battle for it mm-hmm. as well definitely uh, I have I actually have one beholder in my my main campaign so oh, really? far <clears throat> that I'm running, and he is, um, interestingly the second in command for a black market ish type guild. Hmm. And it's one of those things. It's just like, man, if he's he's second in command, who's the Who's the guy pulling the strings? Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, his name is his name is Kelsar, and he's a like a sandstone type colored, like almost like think uh, Arabia desert type type look.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um, but he he's our my players have actually met him. One of my players uh, who. Was in the campaign, left for a while, and then rejoined. Uh, his character works for him directly, oh. uh, so that that's a that's a it's a been a kind of a really interesting dynamic in our our barbarian. Every time because they've done a few jobs, like little little jobs for for them, um, and every time they leave, the barbarian just goes, "I'm gonna come back and kill him sometime." I'm just like, I really hope you try. <laughs> will be it'd be a, a very interesting fight and potentially make a lot of people really mad but it's uh they're fun they're really fun uh, they're they're smart and um, a lot of times you don't necessarily get to run really smart not even necessarily enemies but uh, just like even NPCs or yeah antagonists or something like that so' uh, we'll, we'll have to see where it goes but that's that's been my like beholder experience i've ran a spectator before it was one okay. of the, the first monsters that i used in my main campaign and for those of you who don't know spectator is basically like a toned down beholder for a much lower level party they've only got four they got one main eye and they got four stocks. um and they're 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 still fun. They've got they got some i beams and stuff. Uh, it, like I said, it's it's basically a toned down beholder. So if you're looking for something of similar style, uh, you can look at a spectator uh, for your party.
1: Yeah, in fact, my party recently uh, went up against a beholder zombie, and uh, same deal. The only four i beams. Uh, Although it does have the disintegration ray, so you know, still something to to kind of watch out for. But um, they had uh, a couple gazers with it too, which uh, those are essentially like mini me clones of the beholder that dreamed it up. But they also they're like you know little tiny things, like maybe about the size of like a meatball. Oh yes, they're uh, so cute. Yep, and they've got like four eye stalks and everything. And so uh, there were uh, two of those hanging out with the undead beholder and or the zombie beholder whatever you want to call it and uh we had a little fun with that <laughs> gazers
0: <laughs> oh gosh so fun uh yeah they're 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 cute little things uh i've used them i used them when i did my uh little wardrobe mini dungeon oh yeah they're they fighting <laughs> fighting over some uh some like clothes like these old this guy's old laundry fighting over it and there's like four or five of them that they had to they had to fight and one of them they, and the the party was very high level for engaging those <laughs> those kind of things but one of them actually got a charm ray off because <laughs> uh, you hit them with enough rays eventually eventually the dice will, will fall to you so that was <laughs> that was super fun um, but yeah, those are, there's, there's several creatures in that beholder type family that, mm-hmm. um, are, are pretty fun to play. So definitely check those out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you want to take one step even further is, uh, the death tyrant way worse than a beholder.
0: And isn't that basically like lich beholder?
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Not a, not a fun thing.
0: Yeah. So there <laughs> there's beholders all across the spectrum. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else. Is that, is that it? Any other, any other tips, any other just, tricks? You know, they're fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. They're, they're a great introduction as a, as a big bad or, you know, as just a, a, a mysterious figure that, that runs something that could your players could get entangled with.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, continue on to our player topic and talk a little bit about half orcs. Nay. And this is, this is kind of interesting because uh, it's a very, it's a very, uh, backstory, potentially backstory rich race, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's in, one in of fact, those. Uh, oh, I mean,
1: just, just to say, you know, the, the little bit here. If you go to D&D Beyond about any of the other races, you usually get a ton of information. There's actually not a whole lot here for the half orc. I mean, it's got about, you know, a good maybe page or two of stuff. But for the most part, it leaves a lot to the imagination because of just all the different kind of pathing and, and, and ways that you could put a backstory together for it considering a half-orc is obviously half-orc of something. And, I mean, generally it's human, but it could be a different race depending on how you want to play it.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the starting point, right? So a half-orc is the product of an orc and some other humanoid race. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of interesting potential uh, for backstories and stuff there, like the whole child of two worlds type thing. Um, I've actually got a great example of one because uh, my main campaign actually has a half orc player in it and his mother was the orc and his father was human. And it was a very uh, interesting story because uh, his mom, the orc, fell in love with a human and he loved her back and they they had a son and the the orc's mom basically grandfather to him the head of the tribe didn't like that and he basically had uh his mom and dad killed and wanted to try and raise him to be tough and strong and whatever and take over but he ended up leaning more a little more towards the, the intellectual side of things and more towards uh, not necessarily like peace loving, but more towards the, I don't want to cause violence for violence sake.
1: It was more like a diplomatic approach to things. Yeah. Yeah. Just straight up violence.
0: And so uh, he didn't want to just randomly go and, you know, Pillage and destroy and loot and burn and stuff. So he he broke away, and part of his backstory is he wants to eventually go back and face his grandfather. So I think it's a it's a super interesting backstory, and that's just one example uh, that you could you could run with um, and give some some depth to to your Orcish heritage.
1: Exactly, and. Uh, I mean, there is uh, change coming to some of the more traditional evil characters to Wizards of the Coast, to D&D and everything. And I think that looking forward is really the way to go with this, especially with Half-Orc as a really good example on that. because. Coming from the two different worlds, you have a lot of variety and different places that you can actually start with and, um, you know, ways to go with your actual story and and the one that you want to tell. One of the big things that I recommend is kind of talk to your DM and see, you know, depending on on what half orc and half other uh, you want to be and find out, you know, or work with them on, on, you know, how you kind of came to be. there's plenty of stories of like, uh, you know, war or orc and human tribes kind of like working in an alliance together. Um, there's of course the, the negative or more negative backstory of like a, you're the result of conquest, which I personally don't like putting in my games, but that's my opinion. Um, and th- the thing is, is that when you look at that character as um, you know, something that you're playing, yeah, you're running around. Generally, people play you know more adult characters, uh, at least in my experience and from what I've seen. Um, that character had to have a pretty rich life getting up to that point. You know, finding kind of where your place in the world is, whether it is you know with an orcish tribe, um, and you know, are you leaning kind of more towards their sort of tendencies? How were you raised? Are you really more of a, a you know strength beats or strength wins? Um, do you have that more intellectual side? Are you a like conflicted within yourself on that? You know, are you trying to fit in but don't? Um, you know, even if you you're living with like say the human side and everything, um, were you bullied as a kid because you're half orc? You know, are you trying to be like them? Like, gosh, the 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 best way that I could actually describe this is. Um, Uh, young Spock from the, the new Kelvin Star Trek movies. I mean, you know, half human, half Vulcan. It's, it's that whole essence of where do you fit in? What are you looking for in your life? And I think that that's something that can be like really great and really deep and meaningful in a, you know, an RP kind of aspect on this.
0: Oh yeah, totally agree. I think there's a lot of really rich, possibilities from from an RP perspective. And then just kind of moving forward a little bit, even from a in-game perspective, they've got a lot of really cool traits and abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, just due to orc. Orcs are usually bigger, stronger, and such. You get the, the two strength and the and one constitution just off the bat for traits. But you also uh, get some really cool things like relentless endurance.
1: Yes, uh, which is
0: super awesome and has saved my half orcs' butt several times. <laughs> which is when you're reduced to zero hit points, but and not killed outright. You instead just drop to one hit point, and
1: yeah, that's that's there's been several times where i'm just like op
0: but i mean that that's pretty good it's super awesome because there's there's been several times when i've just been like oh it looks like uh that that takes you down and he's just like or it would (laughs) (laughs)
1: Limitless endurance
0: it's like oh my gosh uh, and then Savage Attacks, which is really cool, too. When you score a critical hit with a melee weapon attack, you get to roll one of your weapons, damage dice, one additional time, and add it to the extra damage of the critical hit, which is which is really cool. So um, Half-Orcs will tend to lend themselves uh, a little better towards Martial-type classes, Barbarians, Fighters, maybe Rangers, um, but... Uh, I've seen uh druids. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Good half orc druids as well. So there's yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of different variety and they definitely have some some cool stuff. And of course you get dark vision.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean <laughs> like pretty much any time I play D D, it's like, does it have dark vision? Nope. I'm not playing that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: it's it's always it's always funny funny as a DM because either it's usually not not always, but it's usually either all the people but one have dark vision or no one but like one person has dark vision and so then it's just like okay are we gonna have to play with are we gonna have to care about light (laughs) are we not gonna have to care about light exactly so (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of an interesting thing and uh pro tip unless the person really wants to wants to play that style letting them find an item that grants them dark vision early on.
1: Yeah, the the goggles of night or whatever it is. Yeah. Good idea to just kind of toss it their way pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, half orcs, it it's actually a race that I want to play. I haven't made one yet, but I keep thinking of it like I keep going back to it and everything. And it's something that's just again, it's intriguing to you know have a story where you're trying to find your place. I just, I like that. I don't know. Maybe because I feel like growing up, I never had a place. Oh, and just
0: some, yeah. And sometimes D and D is a great way or can be a great way to explore, um, certain things from your own life. Right. It can, it can be a great way to, uh, explore those or cope with those or, you know, just, um, I don't know. Just let out pent up feelings just in a in an RP. There's there's definitely times when uh, certain characters of mine have channeled certain things of mine from from real life. It's
1: mm-hmm.
0: just happens. It's it's part of it's part of role play sometimes, and it lends a lot of credence to to the character. And uh, especially if you're our, uh, a group that does focus more on role play, it can really lend a lot of um
1: authenticity
0: yes. to to your character.
1: Exactly. And again, that's one thing that I always go for, at least in my games. It's the kind of game that I really enjoy playing in, and it's the kind of game that I enjoy running as well. Is you know being able to really work with people and you know tell that story together. So being able to really identify with something like that works out really well. And again, the more rich that uh, backstory, the more rich character that you can come up with, the more you can contribute and help other people along with their story as well. So being able to, to kind of you know grab onto a character like this and, and everything and just really run with it and flow with it uh, gives you a lot of opportunity to just have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So if, uh, if this sounded interesting and you have a, an interesting idea for a character concept like that, try out half orc. I definitely will be playing one of them at some point in (laughs) one of my, (laughs) one of my many games. Um, Okay. So uh, we talked a little bit about this at the top and it's one of the things that I kind of want to do a little bit going forward because kind of at least keep up to date on some of the current D and D stuff. So every once in a while, Wizards releases something called Unearthed Arcana, which is playtest material that they want feedback on for things that may end up being in another book or published adventure at some point along the line. This one is actually focused on feats and we'll have a link to it in the show notes on dndiscussions.com. But uh, it's, it's kind of a, a really interesting Unearthed Arcana because it's feats that Almost, they they kind of focus on letting you multi-class, quote unquote, a little bit without actually dipping your toes into the full-on multi-class.
1: Yeah, and it, it's funny because some of these things in here, you would think that uh, they would already be actually um, available, but you know, when new classes have become available or just you know new. Um, features are added to different classes as you know the the whole lexicon of fifth edition is you know grows and everything um, they add these in just to kind of make things you know a little bit more even a little bit more i guess balance might be the right word but like something like um you just right off the bat uh from the this list of feats is uh, the artificer initiate Oh well of course there 's going to be one there. They have one for every type of magic caster that there is, but Artificer was just added like what a couple months ago, so of course it wasn 't in there in in the the normal feats, so adding it to Unearth Arcana starts opening that up and cementing Artificer as more um, i guess mainstream into the whole playstyle of everything as well.
0: Mm-hmm. and if and if you uh are a feats person or you don't necessarily know what feats are or you've heard of them, but, uh, you haven't really messed with them before. Feats are basically an optional rule that you can do, um, where whenever you level up and get to the point where you would get an ability score increase, you can forego that and instead take a feat. And there's dozens of feats, um, within just the, the player's handbook just your, your core rule book, but these are now adding and expanding those. um, Sometimes they bring uh, a slight ability score increase with them as well, which is, which can be kind of nice. But they usually will do something mechanical
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um, that is more than just a straight ability increase. So if, if you're, don't really care about that. Or if you're looking to expand your tool set or something like that, the feats can be uh, a very interesting option. And I think the big one that stood out to me that was very unique was the, the chef, the chef feat, which is, which is really cool because time and effort spent mastering the culinary arts has paid off. So you get a, a one, an extra one to your con or your wisdom score. Uh, you gain proficiency with cook's utensils if you don't have it, and then you can do like uh, you can prepare food that lets you. It's kind of like a bard song of rest, where uh, you get to use um, extra, or you get spend uh, gain hit points uh, an extra d8 of hit points or something yeah. when you do when you use your hit dice, and then if you make uh, another certain thing you can, a creature can gain some temporary hit points as well. So just small things, but very flavorful, haha. uh, type thing <laughs> from, from a, from a RP standpoint, you still, you get the, a cool, a few cool little flavorful things. And you also get one instead of two, uh, ability score to either con or wisdom. So, uh, it can be, again, that's just kind of what a feed is. It's this like extra stuff,
1: Exactly, and it's one of those perfect examples of uh, when you get to, what, 4, 8, 12, and 16? Uh, you get to choose either the ability improve, ability score improvement or a feat, and as I'm sure we've kind of talked about before, when you get to those, those choices, um, all of your modifiers are based on the even number. So if you're at a point where you have, like, one thing with an even number, or sorry, one thing with an odd number, but everything else is even, maybe look for a feat that'll up that one point so that you get that extra modifier, and then as well as, uh, you know, something else that's going on with the Get a little something extra. Yeah, exactly. This way you don't have to worry about, okay, well, um, my charisma's at 19, uh, I want to use the ability score improvement, but there's nothing else that I want to, you know, turn into an into an odd number or something like that. Go through just kind of look and see what pops up the the charisma and hey, look there you go. It's at 20 now. Yay, I'm the best spart ever. <laughs> yep. Thanks <laughs> yeah, to all so, being fay touched That's right.
0: So uh, definitely check that out. Like I said, it's, it we'll have the link on dndiscussions.com if you want to check out some new playtest test feats uh, potentially for your game. Just make sure you ask your DM before yes. you try and uh, take something that's, that's play test material.
1: That is always the rule for play test material.
0: <laughs> yep, It's always a, always a good idea. Uh, so next a quick community content shout out. This is something people have been waiting for, for quite a while. It's been out for uh, about a week, now, um, the D&D Beyond Player app is live. And this is, this is the big one because this one, uh, maybe a little less so now that we're all kind of stuck at home and not actually going <laughs> anywhere and have our, our internet and our computers and stuff at, um, just uh, on demand. But uh, for when we can travel again, especially the D&D Beyond Player app Uh, is live. And this is the one that lets you access your characters offline, which is super, super nice. Uh, So a lot of people have been waiting for that functionality for a while. I know that would, would have been (laughs) super useful for me when I'm uh, jumping over to other people's houses to play um, and having a native app now, plus not having to rely on an internet connection is, is a pretty big deal. So you could actually go, play in a cabin in the woods with no internet and everyone still has their tablets and you can access all your, your D and D beyond stuff. So that's actually pretty cool that, that that's workable now.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty stoked about it. Pretty happy.
0: So uh, they, they keep improving it. They've added several features to it already just in the, the week or week and a half it's been out. So if that sounds interesting to you and you you handle all your stuff through D and D beyond, check it out
1: the big question is is can you roll the dice through it yet not yet soon ah. soon tm <laughs> that's the only no. thing that matters
0: yeah. i know it's i know it's on the list they've got they've got a huge backlog and of course uh, and there's so many things i want them to do faster but it, it's 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 coming together it's, it's slowly coming together
1: yeah so so quick side note uh, i'm sure that you're getting the pop-up now that says that they have all the the metal dice that you can get the metal digital dice yep yep i want them all and i don't even use it i use physical dice when I roll. <laughs> it's like yeah, got, the,
0: the, the little problems. dice rolling thing is 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 fun and it's it's uh it works pretty well i
1: honestly. just wish you can use it as a dm like pull up the monster and then click that and roll that's it. That's, that's the, the big only thing. thing i wish
0: that my my biggest wish list right now is pretty much being able to roll for the monster, and being able to see other players' rolls, mm-hmm. who roll the dice through it, and uh, hooking that all in with the combat tracker. Exactly. That's that's when it'll really come together for me. For sure. Basically,
1: as soon as D as soon as D and D Beyond incorporates some form of like a roll twenty battle map and everything, then you know that's when we hit hit peak D and D. I think yep. we'll be good.
0: Yep, on the all-in-one yeah um all right well we've we've covered all our main topics and we are we're getting towards the end of the episode so this this is the part i've been looking forward to because ben i want to know <laughs> what you've been doing in your games
1: oh we, we don't want to go over yours first
0: I mean, we can because mine's really short
1: because <laughs> I haven't Let's go ahead and do that then
0: because <laughs> I haven't been playing a whole lot the last few weeks just because of, uh, obvious reasons and busyness and, and tiredness. But, um, I have run, um, uh, a, a small little mini campaign for some brand new people and I did it because, uh, one it's fun it's uh, it's taking place in my world so that cuts down on the prep quite a bit and of course low-level adventures when there's not a lot of backstory stuff and all that kind of thing involved yet is far far easier from a from a prep perspective mm-hmm. so um that's been a lot of fun uh they've been having a really good time with it as far as i can tell uh they they're eager to they're always eager to play again so it's it's been a nice little just change of pace but i am i'm very eager to also get back to my main campaign and it's it's going to be a it's going to be a pretty big one because they they just for for those who have been listening now it's it feels like it, we haven't played for like Month and a half, two months, just due to like scheduling and then baby coming and all that stuff. But they they just finished a really big arc. We're going to be having a downtime session, and so I'm going to be doing something I haven't really done slash tried before, and we're going to be kind of uh, player hopping. And so this is going to be a really interesting thing, and I'm I'm looking forward to kind of um, post morteming it because uh, I've never tried it before and it's going to require a lot of balance to make sure that all the players get the chance to kind of shine and participate. Um, and it's going to take balance between party moments and then single and like double people moments and making sure that I spread that around and I, I try to order it right. So it's, it's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit and I'm thinking about it a little more because um, if all goes well, we're going to play that session next Friday. So mm. it's, it's something I've been, I've been thinking it starting to, to think about again more and, and trying to plan. There's a lot of, a lot of moving parts to it. So it'll probably be one of my, um, more prep for sessions in quite some time just because of it, but hopefully it'll go well and hopefully it'll be fun. That sounds like it's
1: been a lot of fun though. So, I mean, that's a plus.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I've really enjoyed my main campaign. My, my players are almost uh level 10, so they're, they're getting up there. They're about the midway point from a, from a power standpoint and they're starting to deal with bigger issues. So it's, it is, it's been a lot of fun for for dm for me as a dm for sure and uh they seem to be having quite a bit of fun as as players too so eager to get back to that
1: cool i look forward to hearing more stories about your main campaign because you've done some amazing storytelling and and encounter design and world building and everything so like the I would love to play in that game, but, uh, overall, I mean, I, am looking forward to hearing more about it.
0: Yes. And I, uh, well, first of all, thank you. And now let's talk about all your amazing story and characters in world building. Cause I hear crap, <laughs> crap went down. Ben.
1: Okay. So let me, let me paint the picture really quick. Um, so we are in, you know, brand new city, uh, they're kind of putzing around, you know, learning different things about it and stuff like that. Um, having meetings with kind of like the head of the of the city to kind of, you know, figure out what the next steps are going to be since they reported, you know, what happened in that evil mages tower and all that stuff. Um, we had a, you know, just a pretty, a, a pretty standard, you know, kind of RP session where they, you know, spent the day in the city. You know, there was some shopping involved. There was, you know, meetings with the, like I said, the heads. Um, talking about, you know, what happened, what could happen, potential places to go from here and, and things like that. And then so, you know, we finished the game and one of my players, uh, I mean, uh, comes to me alone and says, hey, I think it's about time to, to retire this character. I said, okay. So we we had a discussion about it. And um, so it, it's my, my the warlock in my group and the entire reason why he chose to do the Warlock the way that he did is because uh, originally he was going to be playing another game, the, you know, the same day, but play that, you know, record that and everything and then play our game afterwards. So in, in the other game, he's kind of the leaderish, you know, very big talker and everything like that of the group. And then, you know, that, that's a lot to put into it and then to jump into another game right after it he created someone who's you know kind of aloof doesn't really interact as much doesn't really RP a ton because you know that the doing pulling double duty like that totally makes sense don't blame him in fact uh, this is the warlock where I made the the backstory up for him so I made this you know backstory up he doesn't really know what's going on has amnesia and, and everything so then uh, we had that one or no, um, his game that he would play in, you know, the first part of the day that got moved to Sundays. So then when it came time for us to have kind of like an RP heavy session and everything like that, his character didn't really do anything. And that's the sort of gameplay that he really loves and really lo- loves to, to really encounter and interact with. So when we have sessions like that, he doesn't tend to do much and it's just not as much fun for him. So I'm like, okay, so we started talking, started to figuring out, okay, do we want um, the character to leave? Do we want him to be kidnapped? Do we want him to die? You know, it, it's the idea of um, respecting the character, respecting the player, giving them kind of choices and, and things that, that we could do. It's a really good thing we just had an episode about this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm super happy about. <laughs> but um, because of that, we said, okay, I've got an idea for something to happen and you know, I didn't clue him in because um, you know, it's one of those things where I still want him to enjoy the encounter without knowing everything that's going to happen. And uh, I told him, or, and and we both kind of uh, came to the decision that we're going to let the dice do what they do. That's going to determine what happens, how things are actually going to fully play out. And I had contingencies for um, okay, you know, If, if I can potentially kill him with this, I can potentially do that. You know, I had like a whole bunch of different things of what could happen based on everything else that happened in, in that day. It's one of the, the most unprepared preparedness, like sessions I've ever done. Like, you know how that goes. Like I don't have anything written out, but I'm like, I can, you know, have these paths available to me if need be. So. We go through the whole, you know, the session and everything and it just kind of keeps going on and going on and I don't get to this point where I can have him confront it because way back when, I think I might have talked about it at one point on the show, they did this heist and this little halfling warlock stole this, um, this like orb of power of some sort. The rest of the party didn't see him take it. They thought they were stealing something else that was actually housing the orb but he pulled it out. So he's been holding on to this the whole time. So I'm like, okay, well the people that he stole that from are looking for this. And I mean, they have been this entire time, but I'm like, we're going to amp that up a little bit. We're going to make it so that they find him now to try to get it back. So um, everybody kind of did what I thought they would do. They kind of split up in town, do their own things and everything. And then, um, it's funny because he is heading off back towards the end to just, you know, spend the rest of the day in the end because that's what he does. If they're not really doing anything and my sister starts following him and I'm like, Oh, this is going to change things. And so I, I kind of, uh, cause you were going to ambush him. I assume I, I was, I was totally going to ambush him um, because oh. the thing is the day before, before this even came to be a thing, he found, an altar to his patron which was kind of like what like why should this be there he you know i kind of had like his patron kind of pull him towards there and everything like that so i was going to make it happen again to kind of pull him towards it and everything see if he would you know do anything with it and so he walks past the the inn keeps on going And my sister who's following him, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to play out so differently. This is going to be cool. Like I was like getting super stoked. She's like, I'm going to go ahead and put my stuff in my room. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) so she ends up going into the inn to drop her stuff off. I'm like, Oh, now he's got a head start on this. This is going to be amazing. So he, he gets to where the shrine is and everything. And all of a sudden I have this dragonborn who I've created this character sheet for him and stuff forever ago. Um, they were, I've, in case they actually like stepped outside of the building instead of taking a secret passage through the sewers, there's going to be a group of these people there who were going to confront them and everything. And this character was there this, this entire time and he's been hunting them ever since. So he steps out from behind the tree wearing these purple robes, which that's a trigger to the warlock to just attack based off of what his patrons been having him go through and do this stuff. So he immediately fires off some Elder's Blast. I'm like, oh, it's on. And I'm like, I didn't, I should have known that was going to happen. I didn't fully expect it to happen, but I'm like, okay, that's right. Of course, this is going to work this way. So they start fighting. Meanwhile, my sister is, uh, you know, just kind of walking back, trying to catch up. Doesn't know that the fight's going on yet. I mean, obviously she does, but her character doesn't. And then um, the warlock Tibbs uses Thunderstep to get away. My sister hears that. She starts booking it towards them, Like, you know, dash action, everything. We get her into the initiative and, and stuff. And it's a, it's a really good fight. Um, it's, it's a sorcerer versus a warlock. And they're just, spells are going around. They're attacking each other. Until finally, after that, that uh, thunder step, the sorcerer is like, no, I'm going to end this. And throws a level five fireball at him. And he's already like super low hit points, because his con's like an eight. So he's got like nothing in the way of hit points. And I'm just like, oh, I I felt horrible doing this. But it's like, it's what this bad guy would do. He wants to get uh-huh. his thing back. And this is something that you talk through with your player. Yeah, exactly. It didn't make it any easier though. <laughs> So then, you know, Tibbs falls and, um, did you outright kill him with the damage? No, no, I didn't. Didn't outright kill him. It it did drop him to zero though. Then it was his turn. So he, he does his death saving, saving throw. And I have a, a, a death saving throw house rule that we work, that we do now. So I, I might've brought it up when we talked about house rules about, um, how the player rolls or the, the DM rolls for the player. So that they, no one knows what's going on. It adds tension and stuff. After kind of talking to some of my players, we all agreed, okay, we still want it to be in the player's hands. So they roll, but they message me to tell me what it is. So this way the rest of the party doesn't know. So it still adds that tension of, you know, okay, I need to get my heels to them as opposed to, okay, we still have three more, you know, three more rolls because they've, they've saved twice already or something like that, you know? so anyway so he rolls it's an eight so i'm like that's one death save so my sorcerer walks up he's holding his staff and i'm like he'd hit him with the staff it's just what would happen so smacked him with the staff there's his other two death saves next turn my sister's finally gets into rage starts firing magic missiles at him at like level five so she's like peppering him with these magic missiles So instead of fighting, dude wants to get his treasure, so he grabs the bag and takes off flying. My sister fires more magic missiles at him, ends up knocking him to zero. He falls down, hits the ground, dies, like five feet away from Tibbs. And then we ended the session. Wow. So at that point, everybody's freaking out people are really sad and upset because this character died. I'm having issues with it because I killed him. (laughs) And I mean, even though it was planned of he's not going to be with us in some form, you know, like I I was planning on kidnapping him. I was planning on, you know, um, if this fight went poorly for my dude, then, you know, Tibbs would still be around, but we'd figure something else out. And, you know, the, the, we had all these ideas of like different paths that it can go, but he died. So then we kind of talked for a little bit and made sure everybody was okay. Everybody, you know, because y- you do that, you know, we, we couldn't go and kind of hang out and, and really kind of get it all the, the, the negativity out of our systems and everything. So we hung out online for a bit, talked and, and stuff like that. And then um, like the next day I messaged John just to be all like, Hey, can I just tell everybody that you weren't planning on playing him anymore? Just because we didn't let that spill, (laughs) which we should have. So everyone was
0: kind of mad.
1: Kind of, but it was more like, you know, we should have stayed together. Like everybody was second guessing what they were doing. Mad sad. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, no, this is planned. And so once that happened, then it's like, okay, but then, um, oh, sorry. So he died and no, I, I did give him a whole, like your your you know, you, uh, your spirit kind of, you know, awakens and this happens. And like his patron left him. Uh, he, his memories came back to him. His, uh, he was with his family and, you know, I gave him like a, a nice kind of like final spiritual ending. So I'm like, okay, you know, we'll go with that. So then it's a week until we play again. And, you know, party members are kind of talking. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're in a city. There's five freaking temples in this city. Someone's got to be able to, you know, potentially perform a ritual to bring him back or something along those lines. So I'm like, okay, John, we're going to talk about this. We're going to figure out, you know, um, do you want him to come back? Do you, you know, if this ritual succeeds, does he maybe come back and say goodbye um you know like does a spirit return just so they can talk to him does he actually res like all the stuff we kind of talked about different options and everything and decided on i think like three or four different options of like okay you know we'll see where again where dice land what you want to do so like just getting his body to the temple Turned out to be, you know, kind of a thing and and going to the right temple and and everything like that. And so we kind of role played that out. Meanwhile, there's still people who are just shopping from the time before. So
0: getting (laughs) everybody to like kind of get
1: together to figure out what happened, to send messages around the the city and stuff like that. We finally got everybody together. And then um, I ended up using uh, Matt Mercer's death or resurrection ritual because, again, I thought it was something great. And then so. You know, it's it's a very somber moment. Like, everybody knows that, you know, he's going to be playing a different character. But they still want him back. Because it's someone who they've adventured with. It's someone who they've been with and everything. We start going through the, the, the death ritual. People are contributing. and Like, I'm not going to lie. There's tears all over the place in this session. Like, it's... Like, I'm close to bawling half the time. It 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 was, like, so just touching all the love and thought that everybody was putting into everything, but even more so just like the care that everybody had and how they were getting into the game and the session and and all that. And like, it was really touching to know that, yeah, it's, it's an important game for me and I love doing it and everything, but seeing the same sort of level on everybody else is cool, you know, but anyways, so they go through the ritual and everything. They actually completely succeeded, like really well, like blew away the, the difficulty on that. So then I turned it over to John. I'm like, okay, so what happens? And uh, it ends up that, that Tibbs comes back to life and kind of talks to everybody. And, you know, we have like a, yay, you know, big group hug kind of thing and stuff. Um, He tells them that, you know, he remembers more of himself you know his patrons left him he doesn't have these abilities anymore he feels like if he were to go with them that he would just be a burden on them and stuff so like long story short he ends up you know kind of gifting some people some of his magic items and stuff because you know he's cool like that um ends up having the orb that he took and then also another one that they took from the the mage tower that the whole party didn't know that he had so these these two magical orbs that are like you know being filled with like this necrotic energy and stuff like that to do something, um, he just has two of them in his bag, but <laughs> now the party knows <laughs> um, the third one 's in a safe in uh, the starting town, but anyways um, and then he decided that he 's going to uh, travel and see if he can uh, work with and join the halfling family that runs the halfway in between all the different towns, because like in his amnesia world, that's the only place that he found like kind of familiarity and stuff. So uh, we're going to be starting off the session with the next morning after all this has kind of been decided and go from there.
0: Wow. That's quite the deal.
1: Yeah, it was, It was intense, like really intense. I mean, first of all, going through a whole session, knowing something big was going to happen was like, it's a little rough, but uh, you know, we got through it. But then yeah, that, that resurrection, man, it was, it was something like it, it, it really hit me in the heart.
0: Yeah. Killing, killing your first player character at the DM can be rough.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: can. And it's, it sounds like you've got a, a really great group. That's, that's definitely uh, those are, those are good moments.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean, I really have to say it's one of those things where, you know, we we've grown together over these past couple of years and like really trust each other to be able to be, you know, like that vulnerable and that open and stuff. And like every single person in the group is just absolutely fantastic. And I love playing with them. Ah, oh, it's
0: awesome. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that all worked out and I'm really glad that uh, you were able to give his character a, a fitting end
1: oh yeah and even more so I am super super excited for them to meet the new character I know some of it but uh, yeah I'm no, really looking no, forward to no the spoilers. oh no definitely I'm not saying anything no,
0: yeah. this will be, be good
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's what's been going on. And then we took two weeks off because, you know, life happens. So
0: (laughs) yeah. Sometimes you just have to take a little, a little breather after those types of (laughs) those types of sessions and just kind of collect and then come back and everyone's, everyone's usually better for it and ready to play. I know my group has been like chomping at the bit. To, play, <laughs> and to all play again, so I'm I'm very excited about that.
1: Yeah. All yeah. right.
0: Well, I think that does it for us. I think that does it for uh, the show tonight. But before we go, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, reach us, real quick? All
1: right. Well, you know what? If you're looking for a way to uh, tell us your stories of uh you know backstories of playing in half orc or the time that you decimated an entire party with a beholder or anything else really uh you can always email us send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com that's uh, where we'd like to hear from you in long form but if you're looking for a short form kind of way guess what we're on twitter and the best way to contact us there uh is at dndiscussions in fact you can text that uh we Text that. No, not text that. You can tweet at us and uh, we both have access to that account. You can talk to us, chat, chat it up. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you're looking for Ryan specifically, though, Ryan, where can people find you? You can
0: find me on Twitter at TBKZord.
1: Yep. And if you're looking for me, I am also at Twitter at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, you can check us out there. Also, DN discussions if you like this episode and you want to hear more, you can check us out, of course, on dndiscussions.com, as well as on uh, Google, iTunes, Spotify. We should be pretty much anywhere. But uh, you know what? If you're listening to us somewhere right now, I bet you we're also there with all of our other episodes. So definitely check that out. Uh, last but not least, though, if you want to hear us actually play, uh, we are on a show called Plus 5 to Hit. Uh, Now, right now, we are just doing some simple dungeon runs uh, while Ryan is enjoying his new bundle of joy. But uh, we'll be getting back to our main story. And then uh, guess what? Season three, we've got some surprises coming. So I personally am really looking forward to uh, continuing on with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that should be really great to, to get back to that. But it sounds like you guys are having fun in the summer dungeons. Yes. Yes, we are. Well, guys, that is our show. Uh, we appreciate uh, each and every one of you um, for, for listening. We just uh, thank you so much for the comments and then the feedback. And we're looking forward to many more Dean Discussions episodes in the
1: future. But until then, we will catch you later. All right. Until next time, everybody, have fun and be good to each other.